Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to today's episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley, and I'm really looking forward to today's episode because today is all about helping you to strengthen your personal power. It's all about helping you to strengthen your personal power so that you can achieve your goals, no matter what they are, with greater ease. But before we jump into this episode, there really is one qualifier here. In order to strengthen your personal power and use it to achieve whatever it is that you desire in your life, in your career, you need to be able to believe that success depends not on what happens to you, but on how you respond to what happens to you. And if you believe that, then success is yours for the taking. You know, it may not always feel like it, that success is yours for the taking, right? Especially today in the midst of a pandemic. But we are, we are living in the age of possibility. We're living in a time when there are more opportunities truly than ever before and more possibilities than ever before. And each of us can shape our place in this new world as difficult as it may sometimes seem. Success today can be unprecedented. And in today's episode, I'm going to share with you the laws of success that myself and my co-author of our book, Winner Instinct, um, have identified that will help you to develop your personal power and to achieve what we call winner instinct. And I have to say that my co-author, I want to give a little shout out to her, is Leslie Bendeley. She's also my business partner and my mom. And today is actually Thanksgiving here in Canada. And as we talk about, you know, strengthening personal power, it's really important to also take time to be grateful, to be grateful for all that we do have. And even when times are are very stressful, like the times that we're living in right now. But with Thanksgiving in mind and gratitude in mind, I do want to give great thanks and gratitude to my mom, Leslie, um, whose big shoes I strive to fill every, every day and who is um, really my mentor and somebody I aspire to be like. So thanks, mom. So today, as I said, it's all about strengthening your personal power, right? And and today, each of us faces more unknowns than ever before, and they're coming at us at a merciless speed. We need to be prepared to make those, you know, to take those steps necessary to meet those unknowns. Hyperpace change is quickly sorting people and organizations into two camps, those who succeed with ease and those who struggle to keep up. So then what is that difference? What is the difference that separates people into these two camps? What's the difference that allows people to succeed with ease and that causes people to struggle to keep up? So my mom and I, Leslie and I, call that difference winner instinct. Winner instinct, as we share in our book, is New World Street Smarts. It's an ability to understand the new and often daunting world of work at a gut level. It's the ability to to just get it, 
to understand the, re- the requirements of the new game we are playing. Winner instinct allows us to respond intuitively, quickly, and wisely to whatever is around the corner, to whatever is thrown at us. It gives us the personal power to fulfill our goals and dreams. Now, there are six new requirements that we identified that govern the new world and the way it works. And each of these requirements, each of these laws, so to speak, are already fully in play. And if you intend to succeed with ease, you need to recognize and embrace them. So today I'm going to introduce you to several of these laws that we share in our book. And as I said, each law is already in play. And what I'd like to stress as you hear about these laws, as you listen to this podcast or as you read the book, don't just listen, don't just read, use the laws, use the podcast, use the knowledge you're gaining use it to your advantage. One of the greatest weaknesses of most of us who strive to be better is not applying what we already know. We busily search for more information and for new and better solutions and fixes. And once we found them, what do we do? Instead of using them, and I'm guilty of this too, instead of using them, we continue to search for newer and therefore we think even better answers. It's always easier to keep gathering information than it is to make use of it. So as you listen to this podcast, and as I hope you read the book, don't ask yourself, do I already know this? But rather, do I do this? And as I share some of these laws with you, some will immediately make sense. And your response will be, well, yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course, I know that. I do that already. And that's great. Other laws, you may greet with less enthusiasm, right? And if your reaction to an idea that I share is, well, that's crazy, or maybe you'll feel a nagging discomfort, I encourage you to explore that specific law more thoroughly. Chances are that it describes a required behavior that isn't necessarily part of your instinctive personal repertoire, right? It's something that doesn't come naturally to you. And that it is therefore something that you should probably pay attention to. Discomfort frequently indicates a growth opportunity. You know, as we always say, right, there is no growth in the comfort zone. Our comfort zones are cozy. They're safe. We know what to expect. We don't have to push ourselves too hard. But Those that succeed, especially in this new world, are those that grab onto opportunities for growth, that who take risks, even small ones, so that they can grow. There is no growth in the comfort zone. It's only when we step outside our comfort zones that we can grow. So let's start with the first law. The first law is actually one of my favorites, and and quite personally, it's something that I actually need to strengthen. And it's called the law of embracing the new renaissance. If you plan to have the world by the tail, you'd better have a good understanding of the world. And a new renaissance, everyone, is upon us. It's interesting because the parallels between the 21st century and the 15th century renaissance may not immediately be apparent. 
but they are meaningful to anyone who plans to develop a winner instinct. The Renaissance period, for example, was a period of rebirth of culture and education. The Renaissance man, as he was known back then, was not only broadly educated and skilled, but was expected to know himself. This was a time of accelerated transition, and that energy sparked creativity. Now, fast forward to today, 21st century, 2020, where access to learning, culture, diversity of ideas and experiences and knowledge is literally at our fingertips. And so the new Renaissance person must have an expanded knowledge base in order to function in this interconnected change happens in a nanosecond 21st century. So to become a new Renaissance person, to embrace the new Renaissance, one must become an environmental scanner. Ignorance is not bliss. Today, we have to be not only better informed, but knowledgeable. This doesn't mean being a Jeopardy champion or having a head chuck full of facts, right? It's not just to be informed. It's about being knowledgeable. A wide and current knowledge base is essential to being in step in a fast-changing world to develop partnerships, work in cross-functional teams, find jobs, to simply be an interesting person people want to connect with. You can't get by without diverse knowledge. You know, when I work with companies to help them to develop strategic plans, we often lead them through an environmental scanning process in which they examine the external opportunities and threats that help them to inform their strategic direction. An environmental scan works best when the company looks beyond their own bubble of expertise, beyond their own set of you know, competitors, for example, their own industry, and looks to other industries outside of theirs for learning. So, for example, I was recently the chair of the board for an independent school. And when the head of school launched their, our strategic planning process, An important part of the process was learning from other industries outside of what could be a very sort of insular private school system. The head of school made a point to send her team of not just executive leaders, but frontline staff and teachers. They were sent to not only independent schools around the world to learn from the best, but they also had the opportunity to meet with people from highly, widely successful companies outside of the academic system, like Spotify, for example. It is only when we broaden our perspective and understanding can we make the best decisions, can we see new opportunities. We don't know what we don't know. It is only when we explore with a sense of curiosity and obtain knowledge through information can we adapt and see opportunity. To thrive in this new world, you too must become an environmental scanner and turn the information you gather into knowledge. Turning information into knowledge requires that we don't just ask, what does this information say? but rather, what does this information mean? Once you are tuned in to the world around you, you are 
far better able to identify patterns and their forward movements and can make far better decisions for yourself, for your family, for your career. Take the evolution of the sharing economy, for example. Peer-to-peer markets exploded. It just simply exploded as an alternative supplier of goods and services. And to this day, they're giving traditional businesses and well-established industries a run for their money. Joe Jebbia and Brian Chesky, for example, right? The founders of Airbnb are new Renaissance people. They turned their small idea of renting space in their apartment on air mattresses just to pay rent. The goal was just to get by that month, right? They saw an opportunity. There was a conference in town in San Francisco, a famous design conference that happens every year, and they knew hotel rooms would be tight. So why not? Why not rent out space in their apartment on air mattresses? Well, they certainly paid their rent, and that idea spawned a $25 billion enterprise. They recognized in that moment, they saw the opportunity that people not only want a product or service, but an experience. They noticed and acted upon the opportunity to help people around the world to connect, share housing, save money, and meet cool people by offering a creative and affordable alternative to hotels. Being an environmental scanner is just one piece of embracing the new renaissance, but it really is one of the most important pieces. And in our book, we share with you how to build on the information you gather to turn it not only into knowledge, but to build the intuition needed to take calculated risks like the risk the Airbnb founders took, right? Risks that are aligned with your purpose and values so that you can take advantage of opportunities that will propel you forward. That's what embracing the new renaissance is all about. Now, the second law, the second law is is very timely. It's all about walking fast on thin ice. And as an old Russian proverb says, when walking on thin ice, you have to walk fast. And that holds an important message for our time. Thin ice has become a permanent condition. And so it behooves each of us to learn how to cross it. We know the pace of change we are experiencing today, it's not going to decelerate. The future of companies can change overnight. Our economies increase sensitivity to, you know, a sneeze anywhere in the world will continue. The significance for, and I don't downplay that, I say that with quite seriousness, right? Our economy is being rocked right now. We as people are being rocked by the uncertainty and the stress and overwhelm and concern of this pandemic. There are ripple effects. The significance for each of us is that we may never feel secure in our jobs. We may not ever know for sure what's going to come next. And if you are a risk taker by nature, You have an advantage. You are at home on thin ice. But simply being comfortable working in an environment in which nothing is sure doesn't guarantee success. Walking fast on thin ice requires skill and more importantly, balance. So I'm going to focus on one aspect of walking fast on thin ice, 
which is all about the need to travel lightly. When we travel lightly, we are able to respond quickly and with an open mindset. We are able to walk lightly because we aren't carrying old baggage that weighs us down and limits our ability to respond effectively. This baggage I'm referring to is is baggage relating to our past experiences, our emotions, our assumptions. And so I want to quickly share with you a story. And it's actually about, it's it's a Sufi story. It's about two monks. And two monks were walking along a riverside one day. And they were about to cross over to the other side when a woman approached them and she was quite frail. And she said, kind sirs, my village is on the other side and I'm afraid this river will will wash me away and I can't swim. Would one of you please just carry me across? And the first monk responded quite quickly and said, oh, madam, I'm very sorry, but we took vows and it's against our beliefs to, to, to do that. We cannot carry you across. I'm very sorry and began to cross over the river himself. Well, the second monk said nothing. He just quietly held the woman by her arms and helped her across. All the way over, that first monk was saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? We're not supposed to be doing that. Well, they safely got to the other side, and the woman was so grateful and thanked the monks and went on her way. Well, for the next half hour, that that first monk kept saying, Why did you do that? Why? What were you thinking? Why did you do that? And finally, that second monk simply said, you know, I let that woman go about a half an hour ago. Why are you still carrying her? So as we go to break, think about what might you be carrying that's weighing you down? What might you need to let go of in order to move more easily across the thin ice. And we'll explore that a little bit better, a little bit more when we return in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit KAND dot co slash ecourse that's promo code va30 would you like a complimentary strategy session with leading on purpose host nicole bendeley nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. So, you know, that, that story of the two monks is, is one of my favorites. And, and often the way I use it is, is with teams that I'm working with to improve their performance. I'll ask the question after that, after that story and say, what is it that you are holding on to? What assumptions, what beliefs about yourself, about the team, about one another, about the industry that you're in, about how the company works that are no longer serving you, that are actually weighing you down and getting in your way. And I ask the same of leaders that I coach. You know, most of us are still carrying around experiences and beliefs that we just don't let go of, or we're not even aware of consciously. And that weight in a smaller, large way limits our capabilities. Here's an example. Take a, a leader that I coached um, a while ago. We're going to call him John. And, and, and John was, felt he was betrayed by a business partner many, many years ago. And it was a partner that he liked and he trusted and, and considered a friend. And, and that partnership went, went south, way south. Um, and every time John remembered what happened, he felt not only an emotional pain, but a physical pain in his stomach. And ever since that experience, he had difficulty trusting people. His tendency moved away from his natural tendency, his natural inclination of developing partnerships. He was very entrepreneurial. And that experience moved him away from developing partnerships to avoiding them, which resulted in missed opportunities. And whenever he worked with others, when he was leading his team or working on cross-functional initiatives, he tended towards micromanaging and and looking over people's shoulders and second-guessing. This lack of trust and fear he developed was not only preventing him from taking advantage of new opportunities, but it significantly hindered and hampered his team from growing. And it wasn't until John began to actively choose to let go of his past experience and to choose to respond differently when he was triggered to distrust, when he was triggered to second guess and react through the desire to protect himself really at the end of the day, that he began to seek greater success again. But he first had to identify what was his limiting beliefs what was holding him back and learn to shed the baggage he was carrying and respond differently in order to travel more lightly and to take advantage of opportunities and be flexible and shift in this ever-changing world. That requires trust. That requires nimbleness. And our trust can be hampered and our lightness on our feet is next to impossible the more baggage we carry around. Another example is Catherine. Catherine is someone who believes she made a fool of herself in a presentation she gave many, many years ago. And those are her words, not mine. I was not at the presentation. But the heat of that embarrassment that she felt washes over her every time she thinks about public speaking. So ever since then, Catherine has passed on opportunities to 
to present to her peers, to senior executives at her organization, right? That's that, and that opportunity to present is is essential to to her career. And she passes on that because she imagines that everyone remembers her botched presentation and that it colors their view of her. But if she were to ask anyone about that presentation, undoubtedly they would respond, what presentation? What are you talking about? It is only Catherine who is holding on to that. And once she began to recognize the degree to which that one experience that she has carried with her so many years has impacted her career projection through fear of public speaking, um, once she recognized that, she began to be able to let it go and choose different responses and, and, and chose not to allow the fear to dictate how she shows up. And instead, choose a response that, yes, is scary and, yes, requires her to step outside of her comfort zone and put herself out there. But it was essential to moving forward. Some people are conscious of the weight that they carry. They live it over and over again, the pain of that experience and any negative emotion attached to it. And with each replay, you know, they create a... a, even more of a determination that, you know what, that's never going to happen again, no matter what. I'm never going to experience that embarrassment or pain or um, betrayal or, you know, replace it whatever with a whatever feeling you feel with a past experience. Others, though, are not conscious of the event, but the conditioning remains, right? So we all have conditioning. Some of us strive for perfection because we br- were brought off with the belief that one should never fail. That if you're going to do something, do it to its perfection, right? Um, don't make any mistakes, right? Don't do it if it's not going to be perfect or never let anybody make a fool of, of you. Those are deep-rooted beliefs that, that drive how people show up. So what are you holding on to that's weighing you down and getting in your way? What beliefs do you hold about yourself, about other people that are preventing you from taking risks or from truly reaching your full potential or from developing the relationships essential to a happy, joyful, you know, life and career? What might be getting in your way from building relationships and making the connections you need to succeed? It is only when we identify the baggage that we are carrying that can we can even begin to let go of the weight so that we can walk fast on thin ice. In the book, we share with you how to get out of your own way, how to achieve greater balance and build the self and social awareness needed for you to break through of your limitations and thrive. So I'll end the second law with a quote from Jack Welsh. When the rate of change outside exceeds the rate of change inside, the end is in sight. We can only begin to change when we recognize those assumptions and beliefs that we hold that are working for us and leverage them and use them, but also recognize what's not working for us and begin to make the changes internally that are needed to thrive. So the third law is one of my favorites, and it's, it's something that I've based this entire podcast on, and that's the law of living with purpose and passion. So my question for you is, 
Are you making a life or are you making a living? Those with winner instinct make a life. And the spinoff benefit is that they also make an excellent living. People who focus too much time and effort on making a living miss much of their life in the process. Does your work bring you fulfillment or is it time put in, in the hope that the income generated will somehow create the happiness we all pursue? Or do you believe that when you become successful, whatever your definition of success is, that then you'll be happy? The truth is, if you're happy doing whatever you do now, you are more likely to become successful. The best way to thrive in a challenging environment, especially in a challenging environment, is is loving what you do. The good news is that the expectation today, the expectation to work not only for the paycheck, but for the joy in doing the work is becoming far more common. There is even so much research out there about the impact of finding joy in work. When we experience joy in work, we produce far better results. That research spans corporate America to healthcare. The Institute for Healthcare Improvement released its framework, the Joy in Work framework, a few years ago because they found through research that when nurses experience joy in their work, when staff experience joy in their work in healthcare, patient safety and the quality of care increase, retention of nurses increase, satisfaction in work increases. And so that expectation to experience joy in work is becoming far more common. It is only when we experience joy in work that work and personal life can merge without resenting our work and subsequently exhausting ourselves. Only when we experience joy in work can we sufficiently be strong and resilient enough to manage the stressors that are thrown at us. Only when we perform at a level that allows us to experience joy, will we be able to succeed with greater ease? If you are running to get ahead and keep ahead, instead, find joy and learn to be purposeful, and then you'll soar instead of struggle. Being purposeful means employing your natural gifts and exercising your deep interests. When you're on purpose, you know that you are doing what you are meant to do. So I want to give you an example. I want to give you an example of of Dr. Phil Curie. He is the internationally renowned paleontologist. And a lot of people think of him who know him, who know of him as a lucky guy because he's been successful and has gained recognition doing something he absolutely loves. And his passion for dinosaurs and fossils, you know, it began at a very early age. My sons loved dinosaurs when they were little as well. Lots of kids, lots of little boys and girls, lots of kids love that. But for Dr. Phil Curie, that that just grew, that, that passion grew. And through his experience and hard work, his passion made him an influential force in his field. And when Leslie, my co-author, spoke with Curie years ago, he commented that, You've got to be willing to work hard to be better than most people. Yes, absolutely. But hard work, he said, isn't enough. There has to be enthusiasm. 
if you have enthusiasm, if you have belief in what you're doing and you project it, people will be capable, or sorry, will believe you are capable of doing whatever it is you want to do. His passion and enthusiasm was really what landed him his first job in a field where there were people far more qualified than he was at the time. And he shared that he went into the interview knowing he had a little chance, but at the same time, he felt that that job was meant to be his job. And his unbridled enthusiasm was what won him the day, what got him the job. Earning a living by doing what comes naturally ultimately means making a career or vocation. And the root of the word vocation is vocare, to call. The literal definition of vocation is calling. It suggests that each of us has a particular talent that we are called upon to use. Vocation suggests purpose in life. Those who take a highly rational approach to life will carefully work to plan, but often that doesn't result in working to purpose. If we are doing what we have been called to do, it follows that work will be fulfilling and rewarding personally and financially. Many successful people have let their hearts lead them to their careers, and they agree. Spielberg, for example, has advised people to forget about money. And I know that's easier said than done, trust me. Um, But work hard doing what they love to do, he says, and the money will follow. Stories about people like Bill Gates, who were driven to success by doing what thrilled them. He once said, I wrote my first software program when I was 13 years old. And to this day, it thrills me to know that if I get a program right, it will always work perfectly every time, just the way I told it to do. He still has passion for the work. Spielberg, successful, highly successful people find passion in the work. They love what they do. If you aren't living each day with excitement, energy, and passion, then you aren't fulfilling your life's purpose. And I don't mean that each day is filled with rainbows and unicorns and parades and devoid of disappointments and challenges. I mean that you are filled with an energy that propels you forward and a sense of anticipation for the future that you are creating because you recognize your purpose in life and you are taking action to realize it. I know you may be thinking, some of you, well, sure, it may be great to do what I love, but I live in the real world, right? I have to earn a living. Or you might be thinking, you know what, Nicole, I'm not 18 anymore. That ship has sailed and I just can't change my path now. Well, just know that I'm not asking you to ignore reality. If you can't find the passion for the work you do at the moment, and don't see a way to make a change right now, that's okay. You may want to dig deeper into the law of purpose and passion and first uncover what your true purpose is. There are a number of, in, in, of exercises in the book to help you do just that. And, and it isn't always easy to get on purpose and to stay there. I know it, it takes determination. But being fed up with where you are can definitely fuel that determination. Getting on purpose and discovering what fuels you most in life is a full contact sport. And it won't occur simply by daydreaming about your future self or making vision boards, with, which I love to do. I love to do both. 
especially vision boards. But it will take time. It takes soul searching, risk taking, you know, possibly even some embarrassment, especially if you're concerned by what other people think. And it will definitely require stepping outside of your comfort zone in some way, shape, or form. So as Teddy Roosevelt once said, do what you can with what you have where you are. If you want to experience greater joy, if you want to experience greater fulfillment and anticipation throughout your day, start with reconnecting with your purpose. Reconnect with it. Or if you don't know what your purpose is, start there. Start by exploring what it is you love to do, what gives you energy, what creates a spark in you when you think about doing it and you actually spend time doing it. And if you don't have the luxury of being able to shift and jump ship right now and completely alter course, look at what you're already doing and how can you you know, do more of what you love with where you are now. Do what you can with what you have where you are. That's the place to start. So now the fourth law is all about getting interconnected. And I'm going to introduce this with to you quickly before we go to break. Imagine a powerful computer loaded with the most advanced software, sitting on a desk, but not attached to any power source. It's full of potential that will never be realized unless someone connects it to an energy source. Many people are the same. Possessing capability with potential, but not effectively plugged into the people around them. Their potential isn't realized. And one of the common weaknesses exhibited in today's organization is an inability or lack of capacity to connect powerfully with others. At one time when the world was simpler, we could get by in relative isolation. But today we need all the help we can get. And being interconnected is essential to thriving in this new world of work. So we're going to explore what that means right after break. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So before we jump into getting interconnected, the next law, I would love to let you know that if these laws pique your interest and you want to strengthen your ability to thrive in this new environment, please check out our book, Winner Instinct. Get it online, pretty much anywhere. And also, if you think this would resonate with your leaders or even your teams, I, you know, we have a session on developing winner instinct. Just reach out to us through our website, kand.co, and would love to do a 45-minute, one-hour virtual session with your leaders on really tapping into winner instinct and thriving in this new world. So that's that. Now let's get back to getting interconnected. As I said, right? One of the common weaknesses exhibited in today's organization is an inability or lack of capacity to connect powerfully with others, right? We can no longer single-handedly be all things to all people or even all things to some people. We need to build relationships that are meaningful. There is far too much knowledge and information to sift through. And by the time we have made inroads, everything has changed. So interconnectedness, relationship building, knowledge sharing is key. Now you may be thinking, you know what? This interconnectedness thing, I've got this locked down. I'm highly interconnected. I'm in Zoom meetings all day long, every day, right? How much more connected can I get? Well, I get that, trust me. But let's look back at the first law for a second. Embracing the new renaissance requires turning information into meaning. That's what knowledge means. So my question for you, even if you're in Zoom meetings or or whatever types of meetings all day long with people, how meaningful are those meetings? How meaningful are the connections you're creating, the discussions, the conversations that you're having every day? Are you asking questions? Are you leaning in and truly seeking to understand other people's ideas and having meaningful conversations that result in productive conflict, conflict that arises due to differing ideas and perspectives, but in a respectful way, stemming from curiosity and understanding and striving to understand one another? Right? Are you seeking out new relationships outside of your current circle? Getting interconnected requires taking more of a systems approach, building relationships with others outside of your current bubble, outside of your current team, and actively trying to understand the ripple effect of decisions made from within your own bubble on others within your organization and even externally to other stakeholders. It's about meaningful connections. It's about knowing when to connect, when to disconnect, what questions to ask, and how to build dialogue that creates knowledge, trust, and collaborative relationships. It's about knowing how to manage unproductive conflict 
and thriving in productive conflict that results in exceptional decisions and a path forward. So in our book, we dive into each of these, but the most powerful way to build interconnectedness is through dialogue. Without dialogue, we can't begin to strengthen any other aspect of becoming interconnected. So I want to start, I want to talk about how to create dialogue. And so let's imagine for a minute that you and I are in a dialogue. If you and I are in a dialogue, each of us has two responsibilities. My first responsibility is to seek to understand your point of view by asking questions, right? By having a sense of curiosity, by approaching our conversation with an open mind to truly understand where you're coming from. My second responsibility is to share information with you, to share my point of view with you. And then you have the same two responsibilities, to seek to understand my point of view and the information I'm sharing and to create meaning from it and to share your point of view. It is a back and forth dialogue. It is essential for us to learn to dialogue, to seek to understand each other's points of view, not to always come to agreement, but to respect each other's point of view and to seek to understand it. Not only with the people in our work environment, but most importantly, with those with whom we are closest. Most of our happiness is based on our ability to connect meaningfully with those with whom we care most about, right? If our personal life is joyful, it provides us with the energy to achieve in our work life. If our personal life isn't fulfilling, it's probably sapping our energy, our physical, spiritual, and intellectual energy. It is doubly challenging to succeed, to achieve any level of success in our career life if we aren't experiencing fulfilling relationships in our personal life. Interactions at a conscious or subconscious level are actually about power. And so I want to talk about how that affects our relationships and our ability to build dialogue and really thrive in this new world that's highly interconnected and must be based on relationships and respect and understanding one another. Sometimes when using what are known as dialogue closers, an individual can actually feel a surge of power, right? So a dialogue closer is something like uttering a statement of intimidation, such as, oh my God, you've got to be kidding. That'll never work here, right? That's a dialogue closer. That's shutting down discussion. It's a conscious or unconscious attempt to control the situation or another person. And when we react to people's ideas or actions with dialogue closers, and it is a reaction, right? Where we react that way because we're triggered in some way. Um, We not only shut down the exchange, but when we react with dialogue closers, we deplete the other person's energy. Every interaction is an energy exchange. We can either consciously choose to fill somebody up, to fuel them, 
or we can choose to deplete them. We can walk away from an exchange, a conversation, feeling good, feeling better than we did, or feeling bad and worse than we did at the beginning. Have you read um, How Full Is Your Bucket? It's a children's book, and it's all about filling each other's buckets, consciously choosing to fill somebody else's bucket by making them feel, feel good. And in high-performing teams, high-performing leaders, when people excel at building relationships, they're consciously choosing to exchange energy in a way that's respectful that's energizing, that's fulfilling. It's not about always agreeing or even putting your own values and beliefs aside to cater to somebody else. That's not what it is at all. It's about entering into a dialogue based on respect, curiosity, openness, and a desire to truly understand other people's perspectives and ideas, regardless of whether we agree with them or not. And so, When we react to other people's ideas or beliefs or actions with dialogue closers, we're not only shutting down the exchange, but we're depleting the other person's energy. And as such, it's not, it's also self-defeating because when we do that, we reduce any desire that that other person would have to continue to share or connect with us. It will break down trust and it will contribute to an unhealthy relationship and environment, whether work or personal. In high-performing teams, high-performing organizations, dialogue is where people thrive and truly understand one another in a safe and open way. So think about those closest to you. Do you consistently help them express their best selves and bolster their confidence? Or do you sometimes make them feel ill at ease and insecure? Truly, truly think about it. I know there are times when I'm not at my best and I react and I I definitely do not always make other people feel their best selves. So take a moment to replay some of your most recent conversations or even arguments with the people you care most about or work closely with. Are you regularly using dialogue opening statements or dialogue closing statements or your version of them? Dialogue closing statements shut the dialogue down. They leave no room for curiosity and understanding. On the other hand, dialogue openers do just that. They serve to open the conversation by seeking to understand the person's perspective, by encouraging the other person to share. In a dialogue, no one is trying to win. They are trying to understand one another. Dialogue openers include, you know, tell me more, or I'm not sure I understand. Can you give me an example? Or what might that look like? Right? Or what's driving your thinking? What might be the risks? Or I'd love to better understand your, your perspective. Can you expand a little bit for me? To truly support dialogue, we must set aside our own beliefs and opinions for just the moment to truly hear and understand the other person. We don't need to agree, like I said, but we need to respect each other's perspectives. This is how people come together. People must be coming together today, supporting each other, getting to a better place together. The more we know how to build dialogue, the more we know how to build meaningful interconnected relationships, 
the better we will all be and the more easy it will be for you to thrive. And there are a number of ways to continue to strengthen your interconnectedness that we share in your, our book. But without dialogue, they will all fall flat. Dialogue is at the heart of every positive relationship. And so I've just shared with you four of the six laws that we outline in our book, Winner Instinct. The fifth law is tap your intuition. And I share, we share a really great example about uh, Colin Powell and how he uses intuition in his decision-making. And then the sixth and final law is all about promoting yourself in a way that is humble yet assertive and in a way that will ensure people really recognize your strengths and what you have to offer. So I encourage you to reflect on these six laws and identify those that already come naturally to you. Are you already a renaissance person? Are you already interconnected? Or are there areas for you to improve? So really reflect on those. And like I said at the beginning, don't ask yourself, do I know this? But do I do this? And finally, and this isn't, this isn't um, you know, related to any one particular law to, to any great degree, but I would also encourage you, again, it's Thanksgiving here in Canada, to reflect on what it is that you are most grateful for in your life, in your relationships, as we move through this pandemic, as we strive for better results. Let's also enjoy the journey to get there. And it's helpful to acknowledge what we're most grateful for in the moment. And the more you can do that daily, the more you'll be able to stay connected to this new world and be able to thrive in it. So I thank you all very much. And to my Canadian friends, happy Thanksgiving. And to the rest of you, I wish you a phenomenal week. And I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode next week. All the very best. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.